Well, hello, everyone. My name is J.B. Hickson with Not By Works Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my studio beneath the sky, nestled here in the tall timbers of Colorado. Thank you for joining us. It is Wednesday, June 7th, 2023, and that means it's time once again for our weekly world events update with my good friend and colleague, Randy, and always a pleasure to have him on the program. Can't wait to bring him on here in just a moment. But first, a couple of quick announcements. Uh, right off the bat, I want to issue a correction from something we said on last week's World Events Update. And I mentioned this also on the very next podcast at Not By Works after last week's World Events Update. But I know there are some of you that uh, make it a point to listen just to the World Events update. And so in case that's the case, I wanted to be sure and get this correction out there. We were talking last week about uh, this AI-based rapture product that is uh, very suspect and we weren't recommending it. And in the process, we inadvertently gave the wrong website. We mentioned rapturekit.org and implied that that was a negative website. Actually, that's a great website and a great product. A lot of my colleagues recommend it. I recommend it. So rapturekit.org, a great resource to help those who may be left behind after the rapture who don't know the Lord uh, understand what's happened and share the gospel with them that they might get saved. So we apologize for that mistake, but uh, for the record, we want to make sure you know, check out rapturekit.org. And then uh, wanted to mention that last night we had uh, Prophecy Night, and I talked about the stage being set psychologically and, and talked about mind control and some of the new products that are uh, coming out that really seem to be setting the stage for this full-spectrum planetary control grid that is going to be rolled out during the tribulation following the rapture. So check that out at notbyworks.org. You can watch both the video or listen to the podcast. And then I had a devotional earlier this week called AI Weapons Are No Match for God. And I hope you'll read that short devotional uh, and I uh, hope it'll encourage you as well. So uh, as always, uh, thanks for joining us. You know, it is our mission here to present the good news about Jesus Christ, who died and rose again to pay your personal penalty for sin. And if you're listening to this program because you're interested in current events and you like to hear uh, Randy's uh, commentary and uh, thoughts about current events, but uh, maybe you've never trusted in Christ, let me encourage you. That's priority number one. You need to place your faith in Jesus Christ, the one who took your personal sins upon his shoulders paid the penalty by dying a cruel death on the cross, rose again, defeating death, hell, and the grave, and thereby is able and is the only one who is able to offer the free gift of eternal life to everyone who trusts in him and him alone for it. So if you've not trusted in Christ, today is the day, because as we're going to find out in a few moments, things are heating up as always, and we just never know when that trumpet's going to sound and we're going to meet the Lord in the air. And if you haven't trusted Christ before the rapture, uh, you know, you're going to really be uh, struggling with the increased deception and the rise of the Antichrist and Satan continuing worse than ever before to blind men's hearts to the gospel. It will be very difficult for you to trust in Christ after the rapture. So don't delay. Today is the day of salvation. Well, I was reading uh, in Proverbs this week, and Proverbs chapter 6, verse 15 says, uh, has this to say as we... Uh, begin with just a short uh, devotional here today. Proverbs 6, 15 says, therefore, his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly he shall be broken without remedy. That word suddenly there, you know, repeated uh, twice. And it's talking in the context here about the wicked man, a worthless person, those who are perverse, 
and uh, have perversity in their heart and continually devise evil. And of course, my mind immediately goes to the Luciferian elite, the ones uh, who are trying to take over the world. And I frequently find application in the Proverbs for that future end times final judgment when first at the second coming in the battle of Armageddon, Christ comes back and defeats the beast and the false prophet. And then ultimately at the end of the millennium, he casts Satan himself into that eternal lake of fire where he will be tormented day and night forever and ever. But as I was thinking about this concept of sudden uh, destruction uh, and, and the sudden judgment, if you will, and so forth, my mind went to the book of Isaiah. And there's a fascinating, several fascinating uh, sections of Isaiah. We call them in the world of Bible exposition, pericopes, little sections in these historical narratives. Of course, Isaiah is a prophetic book uh, as well. But uh, Isaiah ministered and wrote to the people of Jerusalem in the southern kingdom of Israel and called Judah. And his message was really to explain to God's people that the old order was passing away and a new order controlled by Gentile world empires was about to swallow up God's people. Of course, Daniel would later clarify that this involved, you know, the Babylonians, uh, uh, the Assyrians, uh, the Medo-Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, and so forth. But in Isaiah's day, 8th century BC, uh, Israel was just entering into this season of Gentile domination. And therefore, Isaiah the prophet reminds God's people that they will really need to strengthen their faith, and they'll need a, a new commitment to trust and obey the Almighty God uh, as he sees them through this season. And so much of this threat, which in the immediate historical context was the Assyrians, uh, but you know Isaiah uh, also has quite a bit to say about the final end times uh, prophecy, uh, you know, relating to Israel's future. But uh, uh, so much of what they were they were facing in their day was new to them, and and they were you know uh, ill prepared in many cases. And so much of the discipline that, that the Lord allowed them to experience at the hands of enemy nations was brought on by themselves, by their own lack of obedience and lack of trust in God. And so in Isaiah 30, there's a, a pretty interesting section that talks about how judgment is going to come upon God's people again, you know, ultimately, uh, suddenly. So in the same way that evildoers and unbelievers and, and Satan's earthly co-conspirators will face sudden uh, judgment at the end of the tribulation and ultimately the end of the millennium. Similarly, God's people will face not judgment in the sense of heaven or hell, the same way that unbelievers do, but a discipline, a, a, you know, a, a time when God says, enough's enough. And I, I started to think about that in terms of the church. And, you know, recently I've had the opportunity to talk a lot about apostasy. Uh, we talked about that last week with John Loeffler, apostasy in the church. I talked about it on the David Fiorazzo uh, show uh, just yesterday. And it just seems like the church is asleep at the wheel. And, and I believe that when the rapture happens, for those that are ill-prepared, both unbelievers in the church, the apostate aspect of the church, as well as believers it's going to it's going to happen suddenly it's going to be unexpected now if you're a believer of course you're going to meet the lord in the air and nothing can change the fact that you're a christian even if you're a weak christian and you're not really following the lord faithfully if you're not a good disciple 
Uh, fortunately, our eternal destiny is not based upon how committed we are and how good of a Christian we are. It's based upon the promise of Jesus Christ, who said, I give you eternal life and you shall never perish. But either way, there's this sense of suddenness. And you see this recurring theme eschatologically throughout Scripture, the suddenness of the rapture, the twinkling of an eye, the suddenness of the coming of the Lord that he talks about there in Matthew 24 at the end of the tribulation, when we come back with him to execute judgment with a sword proceeding out of his mouth and uh, cast, the the again, the false prophet and the Antichrist into the lake of fire or the everlasting fire at that point. So uh, there's this idea of suddenness. And so Isaiah, in, especially in the first half of the book, is talking a lot about this idea of judgment, uh, and uh, it has both a historical sense and then sometimes a far-reaching, uh, you know, sense. And it, it, when you come to Isaiah chapter thirty, you know, he talks about both just a little while these things will happen, as well as on that day, a day yet future, but not specifically identified in the context. And since that day has not happened yet, according to the details of the chapter, we know that this must be referring to ultimately the the future kingdom uh, on earth. And so I just wanted to walk through the first few verses of chapter 30 and make some applications for the church today before we bring on Randy. So in beginning in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 1, God announces these these woes, if you will, to the Jewish people who are acting like rebellious children. And he uses Isaiah the prophet to do so. But the Jewish people at the time were carrying out a plan that was not the Lord's plan. They were not following his will. They were seeking, believe it or not, an alliance with Egypt to defend against the Assyrian invasion. And Yahweh had forbidden them from doing that, from returning to Egypt. He knew that Egypt would tempt God's people to do things contrary to his will. And uh, so the Jews, you know, were, were, were ignoring God's direction, and they were trying to find their security and their help from a source other than the Lord himself. Does that sound familiar? How many Christians today are shunning the plain teaching of God's Word and living in fear and trying to solve problems on their own. God told Israel, woe to the rebellious children who take counsel, but not of me, and who to devise plans, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. Uh, and then it's it's kind of ironic that they God's people at that time would would look to Egypt, which had historically been a place of death and torture for them, and, and they had formerly fled from Egypt. Uh, but here they are, without even consulting the Lord, going back to Egypt. And I think the lesson here for us today as a church is, you know, so much of what's happening rapidly before our eyes, and I talked about this at Prophecy Night, uh, is not good. And yet the church is is either wittingly or unwittingly embracing it. We are, we are making use of the devil's tools uh, and seeing, not, not seeing them for what they are. And it, it's kind of ironic really, because the Lord has clearly taught us to come out from among them and be separate. And, you know, the real error of the Jewish people in Isaiah's day was a failure to consult and pay attention to and follow God's Word. Well, hello, that's exactly what the church is doing today. We are shunning God's Word. And, you know, the Jewish people in Isaiah's day thought uh, that, uh, you know, they could find safety in Egypt. But as Proverbs, I mean, as Isaiah 30 verse 3 reminds them, that safety that they were thinking they would get from Egypt proved to be a delusion. 
He said, you're trusting in the shadow of Egypt. And how many things do we put our trust in today that are actually just a pretense? They're not substantive. They're not uh, real. And so uh, they were unwilling to humble themselves, as so many Christians are today. And uh, so Yahweh humbled them. He humbled them. And one day he will humble the nation of Israel yet again mm -hmm. when Christ comes back. At the end of the tribulation, there will, believe it or not, still be a number of Jews who have rejected the gospel, even though there will be a great multitude, a great harvest of souls that comes out of the tribulation after the rapture, not just from Israel, but people of every nation, tribe, tongue, and language, as Revelation chapter 7 tells us. And even though the nation of Israel as a whole will get it the second time around, and they will believe the gospel, and then they will cry out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and be in belief, supernaturally regathered in the land, just as the Bible told us they would be when Jesus comes back, there will nevertheless still be some who harden their hearts and reject Christ. And for them, they, they will be swept away in the judgment that God talks about happening at his at Christ's return. Um, so, you know, in going back to Isaiah, the Lord in Isaiah's day told him to write a public record on a tablet and a private one on a scroll, two enduring witnesses against his people's lack of trust in him. We see this in Isaiah 30, verses 8 and 9. And, you know, the reason God told him to do that is that his people were a disappointment to him. Their rebellion and refusal to listen to his instructions uh, grieved uh, the Lord. And in the same way today, God's people grieve the Holy Spirit when we don't heed his warning. And anyone today in the church, believer or not, that is not paying attention to the prophetic portions of Scripture and recognizing that the stage is being set for the fulfillment of prophecy day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, I'm sure that grieves the Holy Spirit. And of course, 2 Peter 3 reminds us that that's to be expected in these last days when people are mocking anyone with an interest in the return of the Lord. But they also wanted, you know, teaching that was somewhat uh, painless and innocuous, that didn't really confront them with their actions and drive them to repentance. And that certainly is true uh, today as well. So consequently, and this brings me to sort of the summary passage, consequently, uh, they would face sudden internal collapse uh, of, of their people. Let, let me read just these last three verses here, and then we'll bring on Randy. Therefore, thus says the Holy One of Israel, because you despised this word and trust in oppression and perversity and rely on them, therefore this iniquity shall be to you like a breach ready to fall, a bulge in a high wall, whose breaking comes suddenly in an instant, and he shall break it like the breaking of the potter's vessel, which is broken in pieces. He shall not spare so there shall not be found among its fragments a shard to take fire from the earth or to take water from the cistern. In other words, their collapse would be like the collapse of a high wall and the severe smashing of an earthenware jar. The disaster would be complete, They're like when there are no useful pieces left from smashing a clay pot. The judgment uh, had not yet come, but the fact that it had not yet come was hardly grounds for concluding that it would not come. And I think the same thing is true today. The church needs to wake up and be ready. And I hope if you're listening to this today, if you're a believer, that this will just prompt you once again to renew your faith in the Lord and just trust in Him to walk by faith and not by sight, 
especially in light of some of the uh, news items that we're going to be discussing today. And once again, if you're not a believer, let me encourage you to trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation. So with that backdrop, Randy, great to have you on the program again. I'm really looking forward to uh, what you have to say. Welcome back. Well, thank you, sir. And it's a beautiful day so far. We're supposed to have a lot of storms this afternoon, which is highly unusual for this time of the year, but we'll take the rain as long as we don't get the other stuff. First off, to the people at Rapture Kit, I want to apologize for getting your uh, product wrong. Fortunately, some of the people caught it and let us know, and so now we can get that clarified for you. Uh, there have been some other people that have requested some information on Dale Shower, the therapist that uh, basically has the brain spotting. And if you want to email me, I have a nice little uh, handout from him that you can read to see if it's something that will help you. Just uh, email me at rmensa57 at aol.com. Now, from the emails that I've gotten over the last few months, I think pretty much all of you have that. But just in case you don't, there it is again. So we'll start out uh, on the easy things, and then we'll go into some of the rest for today. Um, the BRICS nations had their BRICS, yeah, nations have had their meeting over the weekend. Our friend Saudi Arabia has decided to cut oil production another million barrels per day starting July first. So you can anticipate your gasoline going up a little bit more at the BRICS meeting. Um, the world up until now has used a system called SWIFT, which basically takes all the transactions in a day, takes them from different currencies and equals them out, and basically then takes the payment and sends it to the uh, recipient. Well, the BRICS nations now have their own uh, centralized clearinghouse, and it's going to be like SWIFT, but it will be only for BRICS nations. Now, the one thing that's going to be really, really, really different here is it will accept transactions in gold only. So since the United States and many countries don't deal in gold, they will not be able to use it. The countries that sign up for it will be able to, and you will see um, a lot of countries probably ditching the American dollar shortly. Now, I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know how severe it will be. But when you look at the debt ceiling that we just um, got over and uh, passed legislation to get through it, you have to understand, to make a debt ceiling work, the Treasury has to sell bonds and securities. Now, all the other countries in the world are selling American bonds and securities because they know they're pretty much worthless. My question is, who is going to build or who is going to buy $1 trillion in U.S. securities when they're not worth anything? The only things I can think of, and everybody I listen to agrees, is if the Fed can make the banks in America purchase the securities and the bonds, or the United States Treasury buys them back. Now, yeah. the United States Treasury buys them back, you know, they're paying for nothing with nothing. So you can look for some major financial problems in the next month or two. 
Yeah. So let's let me go back to the BRICS nations again. I have a comment and a question. Uh, first of all, for those who who may not know, and I don't ever want to presume uh, things because I know we're picking up new listeners all the time. But uh, the BRICS nations, of course, is an alliance alliance of nations that refers to Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. But it's kind of always expanding. There are always for folks sort of extending a hand and knocking on a door to kind of be part of that group. But my question is. Uh, in light of this new arrangement monetarily, would that exp- could that explain why nations like China, for sure, possibly Russia, but also other nations and even independent groups have been hoarding gold and buying up gold because they they know that someday that's all the other fiat currency is going to disappear and that the the U.S. currency is no longer going to be the world reserve currency. Yes. You know, basically all of the BRICS nations and even some of the banks in the United States have been buying up pretty much all of the gold that's available every month. Um, the price of gold someday when the United States no longer has their finger on the pulse and control is going to explode as far as value goes, as is silver. Now, the thing is, BRICS nations, they have a bunch of nations, Iran, Mexico, France, there are 80 nations that are looking at going with BRICS system instead of the American currency. Mm. Now, BRICS has another meeting in July, and then supposedly by August, they will have everything ready to go. In other words, they'll have their currency, their uh, centralized service all up, ready to go. And so they're anticipating getting everything together by then. We'll see if they do, but you know, that's a lot of work to get done in that amount of time. Now, FedNow, which is basically our precursor to the digital currency in the United States, goes active on, let's see, July 1st. So you have three weeks left. And then I still haven't gotten a FedNow card showing what my number is or anything like that. But since you have to have one, I would assume they're going to mail them out. They're going to email them. Who knows how they're going to get them to us? But the Fed now basically will make any transaction you make that day, it will be transacted rather than waiting over the weekend, waiting a few days. When you do it, it will be almost simultaneously. So you're not going to be able to float a check for a couple of days. That's not going to work anymore because once you make a payment, in a matter of a few minutes, it's out. When you get a payment, you'll get the payment immediately also. So it has advantages, but as we've discussed many times before, the CBDC gets here, whatever they use for a currency, whatever their rules and regulations are, that's when the problems are going to occur. And so let, let me mention, I'm going to have uh, David McIlvaney uh, from the McIlvaney uh, Investments on. Many of you know Don McIlvaney and David McIlvaney. They've been very widely watched uh, and followed within the conservative Christian uh, movement. <clears throat> And it's real honor to have David on Friday. And I'm going to ask him that question. I'm going to ask him about a Fed now. I'm going to ask him uh, about, uh, you know, what what we see, what he sees coming in the future, because they navigated some of the previous uh, crashes, the 08 crash, very successfully. And so look forward to that on Friday. Not sure what time it'll drop, but I'm, I'm doing the interview Friday, uh, this coming Friday. So can't wait to ask him some of these questions from a financial expert perspective. Yes, and it would be nice if he can give us a little more detail, because when I stop at the banks, 
Some are not going to partake in this. Some have not been invited to partake in this. Mm-hmm. And the others don't give any information. Now, if it's going to be rolled out in three weeks, we need to start understanding who's going to be doing it, who's not going to be doing it, how you opt in, how you opt out. Because once you opt in, I don't think you'll ever get out of it. You will be there for that, the CBDC, and you're just going to have to tolerate whatever comes through. So maybe I'm not going to steal his thunder. He can give us a lot better idea Friday when you interview him. On the AI front, uh, AI is out of control. Like I've said before, people can't control it. I uh, read an article from one of our listeners this week. This says Microsoft is adding AI to its Windows 11. It's going to be called Windows Copilot. It is going to basically be added in with the uh, Windows 11. It will take over and will have access to everything on your computer, every program every app, it's going to basically integrate. And then supposedly it's going to make everything faster. You're going to be able to access information faster. But when you go to remove it, there are items that will never be removed. They will be on your computer and in your system as long as you have that. So before you get excited about uh, using it, make sure that that is an option you want. Yeah. And, you know, I've been talking about uh, cloud-based computing since it really first came out. And really, that was the whole goal behind cloud-based computing was to give uh, the bad guys access to your data and everything about you. You know, in the old days, everything was local. So if you wanted to protect yourself, you just saved it to an external hard disk put it in a safe and it was it was unpenetrable no one could get to it unless they stole that physical uh, hard drive but now that everything's gone to cloud based remember the cloud is just somebody else's computer and so and whose is it well it's the luciferians who are tra- hacking and tracking everybody through their uh, bit buckets and so uh you know that that's something to to really be concerned about but even bigger and I don't know if you were going to talk about this but I talked about it last night at uh prophecy night but that is the the release of apple's vision pro heads ai headsets i mean that thing is unbelievable i played the promotional video last night from apple and it is it just seems like overnight we have left the planet and we're now in the twilight zone so if you haven't watched my presentation from prophecy night let me encourage you to go back and check that out well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to bring that up next. At $34.99 for a set, I think I'll probably be passing on it for a while. Yeah, if I three thousand, three just to clarify, three thousand four hundred ninety-nine, not thirty-four exactly. dollars. Yeah, <laughs> not including tax. Now, one other thing to remember: you, if you don't like Windows 11, you could always transfer to Linux. A lot of people are doing that because Linux supposedly isn't going to partake in this stuff. Uh, It is a completely different operating system. But my big problem with Windows 11, if we're going to put this uh, Windows Copilot in there, will your VPN and will your antivirus system still work? It looks to me like they may very well find a way to just negate both of those, in which case you're not going to have the protection you think you're going to have. So before you ever install something like this on your computer, I would talk to somebody in the know that's an expert and find out because if your antivirus and your VPN are 
uh, unhooked, um, you're going to need some type of protection or these items are going to just take over and it's going to be over. On the headset, I did look at a pair. Well, I didn't look at a pair. I looked at what they look like. Um, uh, we're not talking chic here. We're talking you are going to be the nerd if you buy these things, at least for a while. Um, mm -hmm. I'd love to try and see how they work, but I'm afraid with everything going on, you try them once, it may yeah. be more than a guy can handle. So, And remember, eventually they're going to be implanted. You know, I've talked about that before. Uh, they're on record talking about that. Cell phone CEO uh, CEOs have talked about by 2030, they want all cell phones implanted. That's what the World Economic Forum, that's what uh, Elon Musk with his Neuralink and other brain computer interface technologies are all talking about. So this is just a stopgap measure. It's it's uh, boiling us in the kettle. It's a lot of people that in spite of the high cost are going to jump at, at this because they're pretty amazing. Uh, but what they don't understand is this is just one step along the way. Eventually, they want all of that technology beneath the skin, as Yuval Noah Harari and Klaus Schwab have said. And uh, and then once they've tied it into your brain, they're going to track everything you do. So, yeah, really, uh, really amazing how quickly everything is being rolled out in terms of AI. Well, it is. And now that Elon Musk has his Neuralink approved for human um, testing, I guess I would call it. And there's another company that we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that is doing the same thing. I want everybody to go back and look at the results when Neuralink with used with the monkeys, the chimpanzees. It was a mess. They were dying. They were getting sick. How they ever got it okay to use on humans is, is beyond me. That technology is not here, but they're going full steam ahead. Now, I get a lot of questions on COVID, on graphene, oxide, etc. When 5G goes live all over the nation, all over the world, actually, in September and October, we're going to get a better idea of just exactly what effect that's going to have on people. I would assume that the 5G is going to be making a lot of people sick, possibly dying from it because of the structures it's already created in the body. So if people start falling like flies, you'll know it worked as intended. Now, our Supreme Court a couple of days ago ruled that the IRS may go into your checking account unknown to you without your permission, and just go ahead and snoop around, see who you've been doing business with, see what transactions you've made incoming, outgoing, uh, see how much money you keep there. And then they can also go in to other people's, to a third party computer. If you made a payment to them, they can go into their computer to see what it was for. Now, you're not going to know anything about this. This is going to be like the FISA warrants. You're supposed to know about it. The judge is supposed to okay it. But the Supreme Court said, hey, don't bother with that. Just go ahead and do it. If you're going to make an arrest, you need a warrant. But for them to snoop around, go for it. So you have the NSA, the IRS, the FBI. Uh, I there's so many alphabet soups out there looking at stuff anymore. It's like whatever. Um Glamour Magazine this last week had a picture of a trans-pregnant man on the cover. I thought that was very nice. Um, you know, that's, once you see that, you can't get rid of it. But it's like, the the end. Of the, I think we're going to see the end of morality as we know it. If it hasn't already occurred, it's occurring because nothing seems to be taboo anymore. 
Anything is acceptable, unless you're talking about a Christian. Then we've got all kinds of rules. We have all kinds of things we can't do. Uh, but if you're LGBTQ, if you're Muslim, whatever, hey, go for it, because nobody's got much to say about it anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like we're living in a comic book. I mean, really, I mean, if you'd have, if you'd have told me five years ago <clears throat> that we'd be having these conversations about pregnant men uh, and, and or, or that you'd be asking a Supreme Court justice nominee to define what a woman is. I mean, I would have thought you, you know, you need to be sent off to the cuckoo farm. I mean, it just it's just unbelievable how quickly we have fallen. I mean, no question we've been falling for a long time, right? Moral depravity. You could go back to yeah. the 60s. You can go back to even as far back as the turn of the 20th century, as I've said many times. And it was an intentional shift. And obviously the worldview has is, is become progressive, liberal, woke, whatever you want to call it. But I mean, this just seems to be beyond the pale. And, you know, uh, as I talked about Friday on my uh, podcast with John Loeffler, or no, not Friday, I'm sorry, uh, Monday with the one uh, on misinformation with Curtis from the Christian Underground News Network. You need to go back and watch that because, or listen to that, because all of these conservative sources like Fox News, Newsmax, whoever, if they're not out sounding the alarm about some of this stuff, if they're not exposing the Luciferian agenda, that should be a red flag that they are simply a control opposition and a shill because... I mean, it should not take rocket scientists to figure out that a man cannot get pregnant. I I'm sorry. Like my doctor said, if you want to know which gender, which sex you are, look down. Yeah. Two yeah. choices. And she was pretty specific, so not everybody's buying into this, but a bunch of them are. All right. So here are the next choices for our next pandemic. It looks like tuberculosis and avian bird flu are going to be the winners. Uh, the Marburg virus evidently didn't turn out to be fast enough or deadly enough for them. But the new avian bird flu has mutated with a 40% mortality rate now. The tuberculosis is becoming widespread and it is uh, spreading like wildfire. In Africa alone, they lost 1.5 million people last year because of tuberculosis. It is transferred by trains, by human contact, by airplanes. So the problem is this strain of tuberculosis, there is no treatment for it. Same way with the avian bird flu. So I would imagine we're going to have a wonderful vaccine come out again, probably does absolutely nothing, or it's going to just let it happen. And we're going to get rid of us useless bug eaters. So, but that's coming in and probably going to be here in a few months. I wonder how many people this time around will take whatever the experimental injection is for whatever the latest, you know, pandemic is. I mean, I I know there are people out there suggesting that, that you know, because the jig is up, they the people won't won't do it this time. They won't be, you know, fooled again. I disagree. I, I never underestimate the naivete and stupidity of uh, the American people uh, and how easily we are duped. If you use fear like the elites love to do, you can get people to do almost 
anything. I mean, look at how many people wore the useless masks, you know, which, you know, right. 100 years of science, as I demonstrated early on during the pandemic, 100 years of consistent peer-reviewed scientific research showed again and again and again that not only were masks useless against a SARS virus, they were actually counterproductive and dangerous. And yet all they did had to do is scare people and, uh, you know, and, and do a massive campaign and everybody just started wearing those silly masks. And so I don't know, do you, what do you think, Randy, do you think next time around we're going to see more or less resistance? Well, with COVID having what a 0.02 fatality rate or something like that, and the avian bird flu having a 40% fatality rate, I think you'll probably have more people trying to yeah. take advantage of it this time. Yeah. They're going to go, oh, well, COVID wasn't a big deal, but we could die from this. And, you know, it's like everything else. People, they talk a good game, but when the chips are down, then you find out what they're really thinking. And I would say it'll probably be more popular than the COVID vaccine was. Yeah, wow. Remains to be seen, but wouldn't surprise me. I mean, they're going to be desperate. No way to treat it. 40% fatality rate. They're going to take it, I'm sure. A few weeks ago, we talked about the problems with the economy in the United States if the insurance companies started taking hits. Well, uh, the insurance companies provide 85% of the investable income in America. They operate on about a 4% loss ratio, or a 4% profit rate, excuse me. Now, the last week in California, Allstate and State Farm are pulling out. Uh, Allstate has $4.4 billion worth of business there, and State Farm has even more. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means the, the earthquakes that we haven't had are going to be really bad because they're starting. The fires, the cost of construction, um, you know, when you look at a, a profit rate of 4%, that's very narrow on Allstate. Their last recorded loss history, 257%. There were three companies out of the top 10 that were under a 100% loss ratio, several in the 200%. So, you know, they're, they're losing billions. They're, they're bleeding. Now, what that's going to do is going to reduce the capacity for buying insurance in California and wherever this spreads, which, you know, Hurricane season's not even here yet, but it's going to cause some problems there. But when you start reducing the amount of insurance that's available, costs are going up and it's going to be tougher to qualify. Now, they do have um, backup plans in most states, but unfortunately, the coverage is terrible. Uh, they're very expensive. But when the number one and the number four carriers in a state decide to quit writing policies, you've got a problem. Yep. There, I don't know how many million or 100,000 people this is going to affect, but they're going to find that when they go to get their insurance renewed, um, if they've had a loss, we don't want you. They'll send them over to a fair plan, which is what they're called, and they will find out truly what an insurance policy costs. And I am afraid AIG and Chubb um, are also big companies. They're uh, They've pulled coverage in certain areas. And, um, you know, some of these states that have a lot of catastrophes, 
Colorado being on that list because of the hailstorms and windstorms we've had, uh, you could find yourself paying five to 10 times as much as you do now for insurance. So it could get very expensive very quickly. So anyway, something to look forward to because if these companies are losing money like that, that means there's no money to invest. There is no money available for uh, stocks, bonds, excess losses, anything like that. So that part of the um, industry is starting to crumble. And when it goes, the banks will follow right behind. It. Mm -hmm. so, now, for the main thing that I'm sure everybody is excited about, is let's talk about Russia, China, terrorism, and what's going on. All right. The Ukrainian offensive has started two days ago, I think. Uh, the first day, they lost 250 men. Second day, they lost 1,500 men. And then last night, somebody blew up the Karkova, I believe is how you pronounce it, dam, and is causing a flood going into Crimea. Now, they're saying the Russians did it, but basically what th this dam does, it supplies all of the fresh water for Crimea. So all of the Russians living in Crimea no longer have any water. They have seawater, but no desalination plants. So Russia didn't do this, let's face it. It's cutting it off, all the water off to these people. Um, Russia will no longer have a direct access to Moldova, to Crimea, or any, any of those. So they're going to have to go around to the north. So let's face it, more than likely, either NATO or the Ukrainians blew up the dam. Now, there are thousands of people being evacuated right now. Uh, I'm sure there will be fatalities there, no doubt about it. I am sure that um, the Russians already have plans on how to respond. As we mentioned, I think, four or five months ago, the um, regional commanders of the Russian army were given the go-ahead to use nuclear weapons if they wanted to do so, if they found it necessary. Um, since the Ukraine, Russia, well, since the Russian border is 1,100 miles long, uh, the Russians are pretty spread out. So I would imagine that uh, the chance of going nuclear in this insurgency, offensive, whatever is going to happen. It's just a matter of time. Now, let me let me ask a quick question about that dam, because I, I saw that uh, some of the uh, text uh, alerts that I get from you and other were, other folks last night about that. And then I got an email from one of the sources I subscribe to a news news source uh, today about it. And it talked about, you know, 16,000 citizens in the in the sort of the, the danger zone, the critical zone. But yes. are these deaths, are these uh, Ukrainians or Russians? And I realize, of course, historically, it's the same thing. But uh, but I mean, who's suffering? I agree with you. It sounds like it, it was the Ukrainians or those supporting the Ukrainians in an attempt to make it difficult for Russia in the Crimea region. But who are the ones that are suffering from that? Ukrainians? Most or? of them will be the Crimeans. They will be Russians since Russia okay. assumed okay. that, what, several years ago? Right. Uh, so most of them will be. Now, what concerns me, and I looked at some close-ups of the film that are being taken by the foreign journalists, the Ukrainian troops have Nazi insignia on their uniforms. They are using that the New York Times has even reported on this. Redacted has reported on it. I mean, you can see pictures of it. They're not even hiding it. 
Now, I don't know what they plan on accomplishing using Nazi insignias on a uniform when they're attacking Russia. If we go back to World War II, they were the most in, intense enemies ever. Now, the Germans are supplying Leopard tanks, as are some of the other um, NATO countries. They have the German insignia on the tank. Now, if you want to set off a complete population, you take a German tank with a German insignia and you go across the Russian border. And I will guarantee you Putin will launch five minutes later. Mm -hmm. I don't know what these people are thinking. They're not thinking with their head because they, they cannot win this. Russia has increased their troop strength in the Ukraine area to 1.2 million. That's up from a million two weeks ago. They are not here to play. This is not going to be tic-tac-toe. Mm -mm. And and remember, you know, it's drying out. Yeah, sorry, you cut out for just a second there. But I was gonna say, remember, it's never about what it's about. So we talk about winning and losing. It's not about Russia versus Ukraine. That's what they want us to think it's about. But it's about a much bigger agenda. Wars uh, are big money makers for the elite. They serve multiple uh, purposes in the big picture. And so they want to prolong this thing. You know, they're it, it's a game for them. It's like a game of risk, you know, a board game. And they're just enjoying it. And if someone passed the popcorn, you know, the elites I'm talking about. But for the people on the ground, it's devastating. I mean, war is hell and real people are suffering and real people are dying. Uh, but they uh, there's a bigger agenda here. And, and I think, as you and I have talked about, it really um connects you know really clearly with the Ezekiel 38 39 Gog and Magog war and that's why this yeah. flooding of the Crimea zone is is kind of interesting because it it sort of delays if anything the potential uh intrusion from the north right well it could delay it or the russians may decide to just circumvent going to the north go through the black sea right over to moldova where they yeah. have the transnistria um which was, which was one option that you and I talked about a year ago, you know, when it was first yes. happening. So, yeah, that, that's true. It doesn't necessarily change anything, but I don't know. I just, you know, it just seems like every few weeks the, the mainstream commentary is changing. It's, oh, the, 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 the Ukrainians have the Russians right where they want them, or, oh, the Russians are about to crush the Ukrainians. It's almost over. Remember way back at the beginning, all the pundits were saying, oh, this war will be over in a week or two weeks, you know? And yep. yet, as we've seen throughout history, you know, with the global elites funding both sides of the war, like uh, mm -hmm. Prescott Bush during World War II and some of the other big banksters, uh, you know, they they have an ulterior purpose in mind. It's not about an us versus them conventional uh, paradigm like most people think. Well, exactly. And Kosovo and Serbia now are really, that is really blowing up. NATO is sending in troops. The 101st Airborne of the United States is there. Uh, there were 15 Italian troops that were injured in one day. So I don't know if that's a false flag. I don't know if this is going to be part of it. But if Russia would just circumvent Crimea, move over to Moldova, where Transnistria is, and that's right along the uh, edge of the sea, they could move, move into the Hungary, Romania, Bulgaria area easily and move down probably faster down to Turkey, which is where they're going to end up because Turkey is as good as in the Russian sphere of influence as anybody is. They haven't left NATO yet. 
but they're going to. There is just no doubt about that. But the thing is, like you point out, how many hundred thousand people have to suffer for a proxy war caused by NATO and us to get Russia involved? Because we thought we were going to bleed them dry. They're stronger now than they ever were before. Their economy is hitting in all cylinders. Um, there were some people over in Russia I listened to on the news, and they said, you know, you can't use an American ATM there. But if you can convert to their currency, it's available. They have their restaurants open. The motels are open. Everybody is enjoying life. And so the sanctions were worthless. They did nothing. Now, I'm sure as far as the everyday man and woman goes, they caused a lot of hardship. But as far as the elites, they, they didn't even bat an eye. Mm-hmm. But with, you know, there are always going to be things that happen in war that you don't anticipate. But going through Crimea, Crimea said, if you attack, or Russia said, if you attack Crimea, we will go nuclear. Now, there aren't any Ukrainian troops that we know of in Crimea yet. But if they hit there, Putin is ready to go. He is, his patience is over. He's got a big exercise taking place by Kaliningrad. There are 60 surface ships. There are 200 aircraft plus all of the uh, soldiers that go with that. And NATO has an exercise right off of Portugal at the same time. Now, when you're talking hundreds of ships, hundreds of planes and thousands of men, that doesn't seem to be a really big area to separate things. So you can just about imagine what could go wrong there. So I don't know what's going to happen there. Russia is going to make NATO and the United States pay. But I don't know if they're waiting for the Chinese, the North Koreans, or if they're waiting for Iran to move against Israel or all of the above. It could be. But really concerns me. And I think we are at far greater danger right now than we have been since I was born back in the 50s. Biden is an obvious candidate for a nursing home. Mentally, he does not have the capacity. Physically, he works from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. every day, and he's taking weekends off. So that means, really, who's making the decisions? We know he is not. And then, of course, we have Kamala Harris to back it up. And I don't know which is scarier as far as I'm concerned. But by the way, the uh, real quick to interject, I got an a email from someone today. I haven't had a chance to respond to it yet, but they were suggesting that could it be possible that, uh, you know, Biden is uh, just sandbagging and no pun intended, because, of course, he tripped over a sandbag here in Colorado <laughs> Springs. But uh, no, that, that he could be that it all could be for show that really he's a brilliant mind and uh, has great mental capacity, but he's he's fooling everyone into thinking that he's a, a dunce. Uh, so that he can kind of pop out at the at the right time and and sort of take over. I haven't. It was a long email. I haven't read all of it, but that seems to be the gist of it. But uh, I don't think so at all. I mean, I, I'm sorry, but uh, I've said from the beginning that uh, uh, Biden is a placeholder. If you understand American politics and the role that it plays in the Luciferian agenda, you know that we don't have elections. We have selections. Those of you that still put your hope in the electoral process and the election process. And you think if we can just elect a conservative, we'll be okay. You're just duped 
Uh, you've been fooled. You've been lied to. It's all a big theater. It's all a big show. Uh, nothing ever changes. Both sides of the aisle are controlled. Uh, they, you know, they put Trump in there for a purpose when they had finished using him to roll out the pandemic and the the uh, uh, de devastating uh, death shot. Um, then they set him aside, and now they've got a placeholder in there. They're accomplishing a lot behind the scenes, things that we don't have any idea about, things they're not even talking about on mainstream news that are preparing the way and paving the way for this mid-decade rollout of the New World Order. And then when they're done with Biden, they'll put in whoever they want next. But I don't. I, I think he is not uh, brilliant the way this uh, emailer thought he might be. Sorry. Well, I got to tell you what, I'd have to use those Apple glasses to get into virtual reality to really think that he's <laughs> yeah. got a brain working at all. But yeah. the problem is, if he goes out because of the 25th Amendment, resigns, dies or whatever, Kamala Harris moves in. All right, then she can kind of pick a president to come in. But then both sides of the Congress, the House and the Senate have to vote on them. Now, the scary thing that seems to be the consensus of myself and others I've talked to, everybody thinks that could very well be Obama. And that would be right there with his plans because he's he's in the mix. We know it. Uh, you talk about somebody that bears watching. He would be it. He seems to be pretty popular. It would be kind of one of those that could sneak in. Now, the reason I see Biden going um Mentally, physically, he's losing it, losing it. But with the congressional investigation where it's at now going against him and his family, I think he's going to have to leave the presidency or be taken out. I think he's proud enough and his wife might even figure it out that he needs to go because, let's face it, they have evidence of bribery. I mean, payments are made to the Biden family and to the granddaughters, for crying out loud, uh, by the Chinese. And they had no business. They had no real estate. They had nothing. So what were all those $5 million in payments made for? Nobody knows yet, but I think they're going to find out. Well, my, go ahead. Let, let me push back a little bit on that just from my uh, perspective. Again, I could be wrong. I, this is just my attempt based on years and years of studying this to try to connect the dots. But the reason I don't think some type of you know 25th Amendment or anything like that is necessary is because that type of uh, tool or, or eventuality is really only necessary if things are really what they are. In other words, if there's a real problem with a real president and we really need to get him out of the way, that's a mechanism at play. But since the whole system, in my view, is controlled, they don't need to use that met method to accomplish their needs. The only reason they would do that is if the fact of doing that itself stirred up some unrest or or whatever you know it's just like an assassination they don't really need to assassinate uh, presidents anymore because they control them and so uh, the only reason they would do something terrible like that is if you know if if it would cause a reaction if it would get people to do something else so i mean when we think in terms of you know 
um, uh, impeachment and uh, 25th Amendment and those types of things. We're, we're thinking that using terms that that imply the system is normal and it's legitimate and it functions the way the Constitution intended for it to function. I just don't believe that's the case. And I think there's overwhelming evidence for that. And I, I talk about some of that in the books. So my view is, uh, you know, they're going to continue to use him as a placeholder. After all, somebody has to be sitting behind the resolute desk, right? They can't have it empty. And But the real power brokers, the ones that are really running things, um, they don't need him. Uh, he's just going to do whatever they say. Now, you contrast that with Trump. Trump also was a pawn in the game, in my view. And I know I'm probably going to get a ton of emails now from all the Trumpites out there that think he's the savior. But, uh, uh, you know, I'm sorry. He was a pawn in the game. That was clear enough. Uh, you know, he he was used for the pre-planned pandemic to, to roll that out and get conservatives to wear masks and stop worshiping Jesus in church and to, you know, you know shut down their businesses and, you know, take the shot. Uh, they used him for that purpose. But he was not a placeholder in the sense of he still was his own man. He still did things. And when you're the president of the United States, the leader of the free world, they can't control everything you do. You know, you wield the, the mighty pen. And so he did frustrate the global elite in certain areas. Uh, he was a bit of a wild card, um, but that's okay. They they were satisfied with what he did in terms of accomplishing their agenda, even though he did some good things as well. And then they got rid of him. They made sure there was no way he was going to be in there. Uh, and, you know, contrary to every conventional thought, somehow, you know, Trump was less popular than Joe Biden, according to the official narrative. And Americans voted Joe Biden in, where in reality, again, showing that it's a selection, not an election, the 2020 election was the most rigged election of all time. But that doesn't mean that legitimate that, that elections are ever legitimate. For decades, we've had selections, not elections. So I guess, you know, we're both just speculating here from our own uh, perspective. Could they do something to sort of, you know, push Biden out of the way? Sure, they could they could do something like that. Or they may, uh, depending on what their plans are after 2024, if we're still here in 2024, uh, they may plan to put a, a Republican in there. So they may just have him be the candidate, you know, lose the selection, uh, the pretend election, you know, goes to the Republicans. And then they roll out the next phase of their plan. So, um, you know, that that's just my thought. Um, but again, you know, we're, we're, nobody really knows for sure. Well, that's very true. And that could happen. But I guess what I'm looking at is because he's such a liability, I don't know that they can really control him very well anymore because I don't think he has a cognitive ability to carry through and remember what he's told. And I think they want the real power broker, whoever that's going to be, hmm. to kind of sneak in on the back end. Now, if you put Kamala Harris in as president, you've got a Joe Biden only as a female. If you move Obama or whoever their choice is in, if something would happen to Kamala, then you've got the guy in there you want. Now, you could be right, I could be right, or it could be anything else. But here's my question. If Biden stays in, would he start a nuclear war to stay in? Secondly, would he throw his son Hunter under the bus for all of this criminal activity and then pardon him? I mean, I would say yes to both of those. It's certainly conceivable. And you bring up a very good point. If if his mental capacity becomes a liability 
with him being a placeholder, then absolutely the, the elite would move him out of the way. Now, the reason I don't think Obama, this is just my opinion. I know that I that disagree with a lot of pundits out there. Uh, Obama is a favorite enemy, just like Hillary is. Everybody loves you know to hate Obama. But if you know the, 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 the backstory and you know kind of the behind the scenes things that went on during his eight years in office, he did not make any friends among the Luciferian elite. He he betrayed them in some cases. He he kind of you know went rogue a few times. There was this behind the scenes struggle between the old guard elite and the new guard elite, which Obama was kind of part of the new guard elite. And as I said, with a with a president that has mental abilities like a Trump or an Obama, you know, it's always a bit of a wild card for the Luciferians. They may put them in office to serve a purpose. But, you know, once you're in that office, you can do some things that may not be exactly following the blueprint of the Luciferian elite. And that's what we, we discovered happened with Obama. If you take the time to really do the research, it's not it's not it's deep research. It's not front page research. So for yes. that reason, I would find it difficult to see unless they kind of reconciled or made amends that the powers that be that are right on the cusp of ushering in this one world system would go back to a guy that they feel betrayed them in some ways. Uh, I look for it. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's too early to predict. And, and and I've learned you really can't predict anyway. I just knew that in 2016, Hillary was their guy. I just knew that. I thought they were at the knocking on the door. They were ready to, to bring in a full-blown Luciferian. And the Clintons have been a longstanding part of the, uh, the, the global elite, the old guard. Uh, and I just figured that was it. Well, I was shocked that in that they put Trump in there. And of course, a lot of people thought, oh, this was God intervening and God miraculously let Trump win. And all the people, there was a populist uprising and all the official mainstream narratives. I didn't think that was it at all. I knew there was some greater agenda at play. And then sure enough, not long after, uh, you know, he, you know, was elected there, they, we have this, you know, rollout of the, the pandemic and some of those things. So it became clear to me what, what the ultimate purpose was. So, but, but what's interesting to me is, you know, all eyes are on 24. Again, if we're still here, we, the way things are going, we may not make it through the end of this year before the rapture happens, but <laughs> if we're still here, you know, it'll be interesting to me see to see who they put in. Um, if it's a, you know, war hawk, and a, typically that means a Republican, then maybe they're they're going to be fomenting some type of war, World War Three, that so many have been predicting is coming. If they put in a Democrat, maybe they've got some more work to do to lay the foundation for that. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm I'm just very very. It's good theater to me. I, I love politics and I've, i'm a student of politics i just don't buy into the fall to the false left-right paradigm like everyone else to me it's like watching a good movie i wonder what plot twist is coming next you know yeah well i agree and like you said we can sit here and talk about choices good bad or ugly hillary i think she's out of the ballgame but michelle obama definitely is not mm -hmm. they keep talking about her and if she wanted to have direct input from her husband wouldn't that be convenient yeah. But, and by the I mean, way, by the way, you mispronounced Michael, but uh, <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. We'll just leave it at that. You're going to get some emails. I'm sure I will. But somebody asked me that question and it really, it really cracked me up at Prophecy Night last week. In fact, I was so 
not prepared for the question. Plus, with my hearing problem, uh, you know, I'm I'm hard of hearing. I didn't quite understand it, but uh, they asked a question about. Uh, let's just say Michelle Obama. So you can go back and check that out from last week's prophecy. Not, not oh, I, I remember. I remember yeah. it well. Yeah. <laughs> the last thing that I want to mention, and the reason I say that the Americans are in danger, and I don't think anybody understands how much. Watch the immigration. Watch what's going on. We've had three bulletins from Homeland Security mm-hmm. and the FBI saying that they believe an attack is imminent on the homeland whether it's a white supremacist or, you know, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, uh, who knows. But there have been at least 5,000 Chinese males between 21 and 48 enter the United States. They are all carrying the same equipment. They all have the very same excuse as to why they're coming in to the country. Take that with 100,000 known terrorists, Muslim descent or whatever, that we knew we had before. Take that train car of 60,000 pounds of ammonium nitrate, um, get a couple of diesel trucks that have 7,500 gallons of uh, diesel fuel, and you have 12 potential Hmm. catastrophic bombs you can make out of that. You take that with the 8,000 survey slash flyovers that have occurred in the United States in the last 60 days, they're looking for something we don't know. Uh, you look at the presidency, I mean, he's not a, he's not awake to make a decision. Um, something's gonna happen. Yeah. Now they don't send out bulletins for nothing. I don't think I don't I haven't heard anything else about sat phones being supplied to anybody else, but there was a reason for that. There's a reason the economy is going down, the reason for Fed now, a reason for the Russian military action. Um, I think we all be well advised to be very alert in the next month. No question. I mean, they're telegraphing it. Um, We just don't know when. It's, it's, uh, It's kind of, for those who are students of Bible prophecy and students of current geopolitical events, we're all on the edge of our seats, really waiting and watching and and it's just uh from our you know perspective of being outsiders it seems obvious that hey why don't they just go ahead and do it just do it already you know we know yes. it, we know it's yeah. going to come but they uh, you know never underestimate the enemy right and uh and i tell right. you what uh we just don't know their timetable but there's no question that it's a uh, cumulative case not just a, any one thing you know got people out there talking about you know EMPs or war or an economic crash or the digital ID or this or that I don't think it's any one thing I think they're going to bring a coalescence of of events that really are an unfreezing end of the world as we know it type scenario that really pushes the world and particularly the United States over the edge. Because what people have to realize is that most of the rest of the world is already part of a one world government. I mean, they're already voluntarily ceding their power to groups like the World Health Organization, uh, the World Economic Forum, the UN. Um, You know, we did too. We do it on paper. You know, we've already signed away our rights, as was reported uh, recently. Um, But, you know, it's in practice, we still maintain 
the appearance of national sovereignty. So when we talk about ushering in the one world system, we're really talking about the downfall of America. That's what we're talking about, to get America out of the way. Uh, the rest yes. of the world, they'll be happy to jump on the bandwagon if they aren't already. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But uh, yeah, Randy, any closing thoughts? Well, the military or the Pentagon came out yesterday and said, yes, we do have UFOs. And we have been trying to reverse engineer them. Now, Project Bluebeam seems to just blow up every time we talk about this stuff. I mean, let's face it. They're planning on something, planning on something big. As much as they're talking about it and everybody else is talking about it, I look forward soon. Um, it's just ready to hatch. It is. And, you know, real quick on that, I, I hate to prolong this, but you brought up one of my favorite subjects here, and that's the demonic UFO phenomena. Um, I, I was doing some research recently for my new book that's coming out, even though it's not going to technically be about UFOs, it, it's all kind of interrelated. And I, I discovered that just as we've seen uh, the UFO activity for the last seven decades, you know, being tracked and documented by the U.S. government. And then and that's now common knowledge to the tune of thousands of cases uh, and to the tune of, you know, actually now having legitimate budgeted committees and, and groups tasked by the government to study this stuff. It was all black budget before that uh, open UFO hearings, congressional oversight, all of that. Um, what I discovered is that in the celestial realm, or let's let's not say the celestial, but let's just say the realm of stars and space, the space realm, we've had a similar uh, explosion of of unexplained aerial phenomena as well. So much so, uh, and by the way, they call that fast walkers, um, where they have skinwalkers on Earth, they have fast walkers uh, in the space realm. So much so that NASA has been you know, covering up just the extreme amount of unexplained phenomena, orbs, lights, ships, all that kind of stuff in uh, the uh, realm of space. And and the NSA, who uses satellites up there for their spy network, um, they actually had to create a filter. There was so much UFO activity in space that we never hear about Um that they had to create a filter to turn off their sensors for that because it was muddying up their data and they couldn't even see legitimate, you know, other things that the satellites were trying to track from, from enemy nations and so forth. So um, just one other example of the fact that things are heating up and, you know, these UFOs that we've all talked about and that I've written about in my books have to come from somewhere. So I guess it makes sense that they're actually in the space realm, but you just don't hear a lot of talk I mean, we had the balloon of a balloon of Palooza or whatever, uh, you know, here recently. But that, you know, you just don't hear a lot of information about these UFOs originating in the second heaven, so to speak. You know, up there before, yeah. you, outside of time, space, and matter. So, very, very interesting stuff. Well, you know, we have UFOs, we have the wars, we have the economy. I don't know what else you you'd uh, toss into the salad to make it. Just that much more interesting every week. Well, cheese, cheese is always good on the salad. Um, so, well, Randy, it's been, it's been great to have you once again, folks. Uh, you know, you gotta you gotta smile, you gotta laugh because uh, ultimately we know that's what God's doing. Psalm two tells us God's laughing at the enemies and their plans. He holds them in derision. Um, 
this is serious stuff in the sense that we do need to prepare for it, but we also need to be prepared for the rapture. All of this is clearly pointing toward the soon coming of our Lord. And I've talked a lot about preparedness for if the Lord tarries is coming and we have to face some of these uh, things, the suffering and the persecution. But what about preparing if the Lord were to come back today? You know, the Bible has a lot to say about being ready for the rapture. You know, 1 John 2.28 tells us to abide in Christ. That means to remain in close fellowship with the Lord by studying His Word, by praying, by being uh, involved in a Bible-believing church, so that when He appears, we will be confident and not ashamed. As a believer, if you really believe the rapture is getting closer and closer, it ought to affect how you act. You ought to be sharing the gospel urgently with others. You ought to be making sure your relationship with the Lord is at an all-time high and, and that you're, you're walking by faith and not by sight. If you're not a believer, and yet somehow you've become a student of Bible prophecy and you are following current events, and you've become convinced that, yeah, maybe there is going to be some big you know, rapture-type event, uh, then you need to get saved. <laughs> you know, it's strange that people would believe in the rapture without believing in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died and rose again to pay their personal penalty for sin. So I guess I'll just leave our audience with this reminder. There is an urgency to the hour. Uh, we do need to be prepared, not just for what's coming on earth, but prepared for the rapture itself. Trust the Lord, walk by faith, Look up and be watchful. Our redemption is drawing nigh. Well, folks, thanks so much for uh, for joining us today. Just another fantastic program. Thank you, Randy, for uh, all your time and effort. We look forward to uh, each week when we get together and, and talk about all that's uh, that's going on in the world. Uh, look forward to the upcoming podcast. I've got one uh, tomorrow on uh, Thursday. I'm really looking forward to. We're going to have my my good friend. Uh, and uh, colleague uh, Brad Maston back on, and we're going to talk about some more signs of the times. Uh, you know, he's he's put together a list of of things. He's calling it countdown to the rapture, and w what are some things that that he sees as a pastor and Bible scholar that indicate the rapture could be close. That's Thursday, and then Friday, as I mentioned, Dave McIlvaney will have on the program and talk about the coming financial collapse and get his professional expert insights into all of that. But until then, thanks again, Randy, and uh, God bless you, everyone, and we will see you next time.